Podcast World. This is Caribbean Power Lunch. I'm your host, Kevin Valley. Joining me today is our very special guest host, Miss Celine Griffith. Hello, how y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Today's guest is a movement. He is event manager, event host, soccer artist, parang artist, now chutney artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, not done yet, folks. <laughs> He is still a full-time mechanical engineer at one of the country's largest energy sector companies. Clearly, you're not doing enough with your time. <laughs> Who are we talking um, about? Six lights. Podcast work. I forgot about Quick Slice Pizza. Yeah. You're talking to Mr. Jerome Priscilla. How are you doing, sir? I get, I get, I get. Alright. Now, first of all, Celine and I. We fought a lot while preparing for this podcast. Mm-hmm. You fought? <laughs> we fought a lot. See I, see, I was going to interview Rome, the artist. Mm-hmm. And see, they say, Kevin, no, 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 no. This is Caribbean Power Lunch. We are talking about black-owned businesses. We are not talking about black-owned soca. Right, right. Right. You can mention Rome, the artist. But today, mm-hmm. we are talking about Rome, the entrepreneur. Right, right, right. So, Rome... You're from Venezuela? Well, actually, my family is from Venezuela. So, like, my great-grandparents, they were originally from Venezuela on my dad's side. And that only came to the forefront because of one of the songs I sang last year, Spanish Parang, <laughs> which caused a whole set of drama and bacchanal. Drama is good. Then man. I had to, um, to pull that, that, that card because I actually have uncles and aunts who live in Venezuela, cousins who live in Venezuela. They come across here from time to time. Just a work, gather some stuff and head back across. So when I sang the song, all the Venezuelans were kicking up a fuss about it. I don't know what's going on across there. I had to let them know, listen, I know what's going on across there. So you, you had to pacify them in yeah, Spanish yeah, or in yeah. English? I had to do it in both Spanish and in English. So you're yeah, Spanish. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but I had to get a translator to do a press release in, in Spanish for me. Oh, and, okay, okay. and they were cool because I let them know that I have family there and we have them out. And I know what's going on, but Trinidad's culture is a bit different from Venezuela's. Mm-hmm. We make fun of everything. Something could happen really serious and we would laugh about it even though it's it's serious. And the song was just really bringing a serious topic into the, the light while making it a little witty. So I am personally not from Venezuela, from born and bred in, in Malabar, Rima. Uh, my parents are from Trinidad and Tobago as well. Alright, so what I realize that mm. people always focus on, like Sidney said, Rome the artist. But Rome, you have an eight to four. You mean you're busy. Yeah. <laughs> you're busier than people think. I mean, although you're doing maybe five or six or a million other things, mm-hmm. you're still engaged between eight and four. Yeah, 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 I do. I'm, I'm actually now a superintendent at Petrodrin. What that is basically for, because I know companies already have superintendents and mm-hmm. this is in the, the, um, the army or the police. But so you, I mean, superintendent means you put it in charge. Superintendent is like a head of a department. Right. So I'm like the head of a department. My department is the preventative maintenance department. So what we do is work before stuff breaks down, we do maintenance on it. How I got there, I started off as an engineer first and then I worked my way up. So I'm actually the youngest superintendent that Petrochina has ever seen. All okay. the other superintendents are like in the 50s. So oh, how do they feel about that? Initially, they were a bit apprehensive about it. They were like, a little hands off, where does young boy come in? If he didn't know things, he go on UV and if he didn't know everything. I know the challenge, yeah. But then they realized that my personality is completely different mm-hmm. from that. And they accepted me and everybody's cool. 
you've been with Petrotrin since December 2008, right? Mm-hmm. So that's essentially the past nine years. Right. And it's very uncommon for people our age, you know, we call us, quote unquote, millennials. millennials you know, right. you go from job to job, every two years you're bored. You're yeah, bored yeah, again. yeah, you go to a new job. You know, yeah. so, I mean, what has kept you loyal? It's called the golden handcuffs. It's where you're in a job and you're comfortable in the job. But your mind is, is wandering, is thinking, all right, let me try this or let me try that or whatever. And you want to make that leap and go into something else that you're really passionate about. But you're tied down by the golden handcuffs, meaning that you're accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Right. You're getting paid a certain salary. So yes. I have my vehicle, I have house, I have this and that. And in order to leave that, it's going to be very, very difficult. Ah, okay. So that's why you, you kind of call it. There's a concept called the golden handcuffs. And then every time you try to leave, then there's an opportunity that might arise there. So where I was an engineer, then I became a, a senior engineer, and then I became a superintendent so your salary keeps on going up and up and then when your salary changes your lifestyle changes so you get accustomed to more and more luxuries and then it's more and more difficult to leave those things to jump into something else so that's how come you end up getting stuff but you've been able to do that jump into other stuff yeah so what i was able to do was to balance it one of the main things that allowed me to do that is that I'm not a person that books overtime. So when 4 p.m. reaches, mm-hmm. I am out of there because my day starts at 4 p.m. because I have so many other things to do right. that my job ends at 4 right. and now I get to live from right. 4. Right. So it's about that work-life balance for me. I use my job, my petrogen, as my core source of income. Right. That would pay the mortgage, that would pay the car, mm-hmm. loan, all of those fixed bills. Petrogen will cover that cost. All of my luxuries, I would use from singing or, or any other business venture that I'm in, those will come from there. So that's, I would say, my, my day starts at 4 p.m. because Petrogen is cover my base. You mentioned in one of your interviews that I was looking at, you mentioned that you started singing from the age of seven in the Rima Boys at right, the right. So you always had a passion for always, music. Always, always. And always. entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet you went to study... That was by force. Oh. <laughs> I, was yeah, I thought he was force. love engineering. No. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love my job, that was by force. My father made me do that. I was in a my boys RC. Started singing as he was saying at, at seven. I started singing at seven. Then straight up till um SE, I was still singing Calypso. Okay. Then I went to St. Mary's College. And then, um, yeah, KV, big up, CIC boys. Uh, and when I was in Form 1, I won the competition. There was a competition between St. Mary's College and Convent. Right. And I won their competition in Form 1. Kess was in there. Right, Kess right, was right. in Upper 6. And I beat Kess, and that was a big thing for me. Right. And he was very supportive. He was my backup singer, too. So shout to Kess on that. And from there, I kept on doing the music. And when I reached Form 3, my father was like, yeah, what's going on? You can't carry away in this music thing, you know. Yeah. CXC is two years away. Right. So all this singing thing done. But your grades were always good, right? Yeah, yeah. They were good. Mm-hmm. But he knew that I needed to focus. And he didn't want me getting carried away with it. Okay. So he was like, yeah, what? Stop the singing. Focus on CXC. Four, four and five is CXC. So I had to drop it. And I just well, it's like a disciplined child. That raises another point because you have situations where parents 
have a certain type of career that you try to follow and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Music wasn't one of them. Um, the arts in general and beauty and that kind of thing was not a career of choice. People are switching to it now and parents are becoming a little more open to it and that gives rise to a lot of entrepreneurs, right? But at least you kept that passion and you went back into it after you finished. You know you know what was, was a game changer for me? There was a book I read straight out of CLC called Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know the book? Yeah. yeah. Right. And that book kind of opened my eyes to my exact same situation. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that you're talking about. My father was one a real traditional guy. He's still, he's, still, he's still a very, very traditional guy. And just like a lot of Trini parents, they want their child to go to school, learn their work, become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. They don't really see a business person or an athlete or an entertainer as an actual career. They want you to go and learn your work and go and work for somebody else. And that's secure. But in that book, it kind of showed you that if you're going to be a businessman or entrepreneur, you can actually be much more successful than working for somebody oh, yeah. else. Many stories internationally and locally. Yeah. Oh, wow. many examples of that, rather. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's how my dad was. He, I mean, and I'm grateful for it, but I was glad that I had an open mind right. that I could have still done what I wanted to. So he made me stop at Form 3. I did CXC, then I did A-Levels in St. Mary's. Then I went on to do university. Initially, I wanted to be a doctor. And then I played the fool in, in Form 6. Who doesn't play Form 6? I played the fool in Form 6. What's going on in Form 6 CIC? I can go already run now. Form 6 CIC, you're in school with a lot of guys whose parents are business owners. Right. And they are wealthy. They can untie that. And they, they do their CXC, <laughs> but their parents already know, and they already know they're going to do SATs and they're mm-hmm. going to go away. Right. And go to wherever college. And my father let me know off the bat, listen, I poor, I don't mind to send it to school away. So, if you're not getting a full scholarship, brother, just know that you're going to you. He was working you. We had the okay. time. And... I play the fool because I like with all the fellows who do their SATs and they not study any levels. So I never study any levels either. A levels come. Mm. I ain't do so hot up. Mm. So I didn't make the grades to do medicine. Okay. And my father said, well, I ain't kissing no ass <laughs> in you to get you in to do medicine. Oh, so you will gosh. do whatever you're qualified to do. And I got into engineering. Okay. Okay. And okay. that's how I ended up doing engineering. I mean, it's not like you get into... Mm. Yeah, I don't get into engineering. So that's why I ended up doing engineering. It wasn't just that I always wanted to be an engineer. But I mean, all right. So you did your BSc. But then you did an MSc. I did my BSc, and then when I went into Petrochemical to work, mm-hmm. things were shaky, and now they weren't making people permanent in right. Petrochemical at that point in time. So I saw that Petrochemical had a scholarship program, so I entered that to see if I could win a scholarship. Once you win a scholarship, you get you guaranteed four years employment with the company. Okay. So I applied for it, and I won the scholarship. So I got a scholarship oh, to how do many people won scholarships? Then I was the only one who won a scholarship. So when I got that, I was guaranteed four years employment. Mm-hmm. That's how I ended up doing my master's. Congrats. And from getting my master's, then Petrogen promoted me into um, that managerial position, right. superintendent. So that's how everything kind of flowed. That's how I ended up working Petrogen for so long. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. And now you... So when I finished my master's, then I jumped into music. Okay. I was like, hey, oh, daddy, 
Adam, <laughs> ma BSC, ja gelmaztál az órát. De ez jó, jó az, mert én jump and do what I want to do, which was music. So that's uncommendable. But it's commendable that you didn't slack off from um, Petrotrain, what you're doing at Petrotrain, to be able to still climb the ladder there. Right. You, st- you still wanted to go into a totally different field and industry altogether. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, yeah. that is commendable. So it shows a lot of character. Yeah, it was... To, the next point about mm. quick slice. Right. You spoke about the competition for this this quarter. This quarter. All right. With Petrotrin mm-hmm. to be able to get the four years and stuff, but it sounds pretty much like what Scotiabank is doing yeah, now. Yeah, the Scotiabank Vision Achiever. Yes. Right. I saw the Scotiabank Vision Achiever program advertising. I was like, you know what, Jared? How I started quick slice was with my business partner, Gerald Molino. He's an engineer too. Both of us... We can't fry an egg. <laughs> we ain't know nothing about cooking. There is hope. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't know nothing about cooking. We don't know anything about business either because uh-huh. both of us are engineers. And we went to St. Mary's. He went, I, went to, I went to St. Mary's. He went Fatima. Both mm-hmm. of us did sciences and maths. So we have no business background. We opening a business. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this question, I was like, yeah, hey, let's go and see if I can get some business advice mm-hmm. and be amongst other entrepreneurs too no? because when you're doing business when you're in business you're in it by yourself eh? right. is you are your business partner and you right. are alone you don't have anybody to talk to anybody to bounce ideas off of you don't really meet other people who share any same struggles right. you go through right. so that program is really good where you cannot meet other people who go into the same problems you go into the same struggles with staff and marketing and that's what went on and anything I do I didn't go into that social um, program to win eh? I always go looking to learn learn as much as I could and always help others along the way so while I was there in the program how I ended up winning it I would guess is that I was always doing the homework always trying to learn I was asked a million questions anybody who know me most of the time I sit to the front of a class I sit to the front of a class reason being when I ask my questions I don't want to have to think in my head the other people behind me because they're behind me now, when you sit to the back of a class, it's kind of bring out a little anxiety yeah. when you want to ask a question because you're seeing 30 people in front of you. Right. So you you talking to 30 people and a teacher. Right. When you sit to the front of a class, you talking to the teacher alone. So you come like, may I give you talking, may I need yeah. talking? Yeah. And I'm asking you a question. It's not that intimidating. Everybody mm-hmm. else is behind me. So I ask a million questions. And I also helped a lot of people in the class with some of the stuff that I knew. And I guess those qualities showed, and that's how come I won. And also, it was easy for us, for our business, because a lot of things that we learned was easy for us to implement in our business and show the results because of the type of business it was. It wasn't like a service business, it was more of a retail business, so we could have shown it. And anything I'm in, I'm in it 100%. If I can't be in something 100%, I tell you off the bat, no, sir, I can't take part. So I put everything into it and I won. Nice. You know what's funny? Last night I was in the gym. And this is like around eleven. Because I don't I hate to go see the gym and everybody else is in the gym, right? Mm. I'm in the gym around eleven. I push my weight in again. I'm finishing up. And I say, why am I craving quick slice pizza right now? <laughs> no, no. That is not just a plug because Roman's here. I really had quick slice pizza last night. <laughs> Like, why am I craving this thing right now, boy? I mean, I am working out, I'm doing my legs, I find again fat, I trying to eat healthy, but I just need this quick slice. So, I actually wrap up my sets and I drive down to quick slice, I give me two slices right now. <laughs> so, what is it 
about quick slice because it's almost addictive for me or maybe I'm just greedy yeah yeah it's <laughs> so, kind of addictive so that's uh, the cocaine we put in these slices what happened with that to make it that addictive mm-hmm. is that we had to find the recipe for the best tasting pizza that we ever had so I actually traveled all over the world every time I travel to go sing or, or whatever I make sure I try the pizza so I've been to New York Brazil, Toronto, everywhere, all over to taste pizza. Been to Chicago, taste a deep dish pizza. Everywhere I went to taste a pizza, I was comparing it to who had the best pizza to make sure that we could have come out with a recipe like that. So when I travel all over, I was like, all these pizzas are good, but they're not really that great. I tasted a pizza right here in Trinidad. A, a chef by name of Montana, Nawalo. She had a pizza and I tasted dread and this thing was out of this world amazing I was like yeah we're going up Monty I need you on board she came on board and she started making the pizzas but what was good is that because Gerald and I my business partner because we are engineers we are real good with systems so she had the recipe and we just turned that into a system like on McDonald's is you get the same burger all the time we make sure you have the same pizza all the time and that the place could run without us being there because he's a full-time engineer I'm a full-time engineer we can't afford to be in our business running it so we made it that the systems were easy to follow that the staff just know Uh, when we were making this business we say as bad as a great song we want monkeys to be able to run the business meaning that you don't need any sort of skill to come and work here the systems must be so foolproof that anybody can come off the street and come and work with us and that's that's what we do what's their pleasant and have good customer service yeah that's something where we were trained in terms of customer service but I mean the systems of making the pizza itself customer service are totally different And and these are men who can't cook yeah, none of our staff can really cook the day staff. Now <laughs> edit that part. <laughs> no, we it, it, it's all about systems, and that's what a lot of business people don't think of. Mm-hmm. They think you need to have the best chef anyway. We have the best chef who came up with the recipe, but everything is a system that you follow. It's like a machine. It's, it's like if you're manufacturing a car. The man who put it together, the guy, he don't know how to do it really, but he's following a manual, they follow any system to do it. Yeah. So we have recipes, we have some called a spice pack. So the staff doesn't know what's going into it. Like, okay, so you would have the secret like, herbs yes, and spices. Yes. We have one of those, a spice pack, which we would be prepare ourselves. So nobody else knows about us. We know the recipe. We prepare that so they get a spice pack and they have their systems to follow. This is how long you leave it. This is how, this is it. And I mean, if you could cook, it's a plus. Maybe a car cook, you can still work there. So I can make quick slice pizza. Yeah, I can cook. Yeah, I can teach you how to make quick slice pizza. You just follow in all these, it's all about steps as a recipe. Once you can follow instructions, you can make up. So, so when you say this pizza is almost like less unhealthy than the other pizzas on the market. But the, the, the trick with the pizza to make it extra healthy is that we have our cows on treadmills that give. It's for you to Nah, I wouldn't say uh, what would make it healthier than other pizzas that the crust is so thin and that the crust is packed with different spices. It's very, it's, we call it Trinity the crust. Because we make our crust from scratch and we make our uh, our sauces from scratch, all the meats and then we season everything from scratch. A lot of pizza restaurants are chains, so they get their stuff from the US. They just import their dough, they import their, their sauces in a tin. Yeah. Our stuff comes from 
the market we go where we take everything and we make our own sauce, we make our own dough. Our dough also has a lot of cornmeal in it, so it's, it's different from just the regular flour, which is healthier. So okay. that's, that's another plus. So I could eat quick slice pizza for my carnival diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's much healthier than... No, it's much healthier than a regular pizza, for sure. The, the, the unhealthy part that people look at in pizza is the amount of flour. Because the dough is usually so thick. If you look at Pizza Hut or you look at those other places, they have thick dough. And that's what's giving all the carbs yeah, yeah. and the calories and that's what make it pack on the pounds. Now, because our, our sides are so thin then it's not that much calories in it. People look at the cheese as well mm-hmm. because this thing is oily, but it's not really that bad. It's just dairy. Right. So it's, it's, it's not that unhealthy and you get protein from, from your dairy as well. Yeah, so that's why I use it for the protein. That's why I had it. You get protein in your cheese. <laughs> you get protein in your meat and you get your veggies, which are your toppings. So pizza is not really that unhealthy. It's really the flour that people kind of scared. They so get scared that you, from. you really like pizza that you want. I love pizza. I love pizza. That. I love so I was pizza. wondering why pizza as opposed to any other type of food because we have so many types of food popping up all over the place oh, and we, we have so many of the international pizza yeah, chains here. Yeah. So that was a that was a big bite. Podcast world is a joke. I love pizza and I love drinking at party and, right. and I combine it too because mm-hmm. how we came up with the idea is my same business partner and I we usually have a boys trip every year. So every year, all the fellas was lying, we would find a new city and go and just lime and party and drink and have a time. Nice. And we would nice. go cool. see cool. the city. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Nice. We would go see the city. We would go look around, do the sightseeing and in the night we party in hand. Right. And our second boys trip, we went to New York City for the first time. And when we went to New York, we party with Darius and Troy. We must party with Darius and Troy. From Saints too. <laughs> and we stumbling out the crowd of the club drunk. Because when you're up there, you're driving. You have right. your, your Uber and your yes. taxis yes, and all yes. that. And we come out of the club drunk and we hungry. We're uh, looking for something to eat. And everywhere in New York, they are pizza by the slice parlors. Yeah. And you're like, Jet, why do I die Trinidad us? Yeah. How come? Every time you come out of a club in Trinidad, is either doubles or gyro. Why not pizza by the slice? Why nobody thought of this yet? Yeah. So we came back home with the idea, okay. and that's how we that's how we end up coming. Yeah, I got to, I got to there. See, see? Rum is not that bad after all. <laughs> if we have some genius ideas. Rum, every time, every time. Yeah, that, that's actually where first time, first place I saw pizza by the slice as well. And I was with Darius going to, is it New York Pizza? I can't remember the name of the place. Mm-hmm. Art, Artichoke. Artichoke. That's exactly where we went. Artichoke. That's where we get the whole concert. Celine. If you ever go to Artichoke. Yeah, we Artichoke. They have a bouncer, you know. We went Artichoke. They have a bouncer at the door because there's so many people coming out of the club trying to get into this pizza restaurant that they have mm-hmm. a bouncer at the door like if it's a club. And Artichoke and celebrities go there as well. First time I went to Artichoke and I see these slices of pizza for five years, I said, Darius, where you bring me? <laughs> I, I next to Darius. I call it in my mind. I'm not spending $30 for slice of pizza. I'm hungry, Darius. KV, let's try the pizza and you'll see. I the first one I say, what? I respond, well, I'll be there now. Well, now we're expanding in that we franchise any business because two things. One, it's you need a lot of capital to keep on opening other outlets. And we don't have the capital, like Quick Size Pizza doesn't have the capital to keep on opening new outlets. It costs like probably around three to $400,000 to open an outlet. We don't have that money. We're being real. So we decided, you know what, because we have all these systems in place, and as I said, anybody can come and do it, 
we're going to franchise it out because a lot of people want a quick size down south. They want one open in Arima. They want one in Central. So we now open it up this week to franchises. So we have the franchise documents and we send it out to those interested in owning a franchise. So they can open it up and keep. You can go by them and get pizza. Nice, nice. That's I'm what we're surprised talking about. he hasn't um, applied for a franchise. Yeah. Well, I, I was Who just knows? about to do that. <laughs> so how come I not going to set up this franchise? Uh, so we have, we have a couple of people who are interested to, to open their own good size pizza restaurants. Good. So they can definitely do that. And you all recently celebrated a year's anniversary. We did three years. So there's three years. three years? Yeah, three years. Wow. Yeah. Time is speeding. July 2014. Right? Yep. Three years, three years now we are on. It's great to be on the avenue. You know, those space, as you said, a very yeah, confined very space and still space. We, we surviving, we surviving. Awesome. The recession, it does hard, just as uh, everyone else. Yes. You would see the avenue kind of die down a bit. You would see a lot of places closing mm-hmm. down along the avenue. Yeah. So when I tell myself, I'm like, yeah, we're in hard times, but we'll be surviving. Just look yeah. at everyone else around us closing down, and we're still surviving. Mm-hmm. So let's just thank God for that. Yes, and of course. Keep going, keep going with it, because the recession's not going to last forever. When we come out of it, we'll be back up and, and so running. So that's the same approach with your music. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. I mean, unfortunately, I have a hit while it's in a recession. If I had this hit, so maybe it was in a recession, I would have I was asking Kevin the other day, I said, but he's the next song. What was the name called? Oh. You know, crazy does. Scranter, you talking about? It was a scranter. Impulse. 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 You know, impulse. 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 Synonymous. Synonymous. Yeah. So, Rome, you you entered the soca scene. So, it's all about music now. So, mm-hmm. you entered the soca scene in 2012. And I remember I looked at the video of you performing in Woodford Cafe. Mm-hmm. You performing Push It Back. I remember. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I seen the video in my head. You walk past um, another breakfast from Sierra. Yeah. And I remember like a nervous face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you watch it and say, my boy, gonna perform. Oh, God, I hope you don't choke. I hope you don't choke. That was the first performance. That was the first performance. Was Woodford Cafe. And he mashed it up, you know. He wrote girls on the stage. Yeah. A real good performance, yeah. and and the funny thing with that, a lot of artists will only tell you all, and business people too, only tell you all about the ups and they forget the downs, yes. right? But we all human, and you have to accept that failure mm-hmm. is a part of success. Process, yeah. So, in order for you to succeed, you have to fail. So, KB saying that I mashed up at Woodford Cafe, that was my first song ever in Suka, and the first time I was ever performing. A lot of people saw that. And they were like wowed by it. They were like, wait, where does man come out from? This is the first time you ever seen him on the Kobe mashup. So the people at Zen saw the video, they saw what happened, and they were like, you know what? We want to give you that opportunity to come to Zen and perform, push it back. They gave me Zen on a Wednesday. That was UE, UE night, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The place is packed. Yes. Yeah. Packed. This is my second performance. Yeah. And these are young people like, I don't know. These are young 19, people who are going to care about you. Yeah. <laughs> about you. from Trinidad, because you're not Trinidadians. But <laughs> I, I on a high, I know Masha Woodford. I think this is going to be lit. <laughs> Run out on that stage. And I went to UE, so I know how to kind of interact with UE crowds. So I big up. Natsai, I big up engineering, mm. the crowd going mad, I big up society, oh, the biggest population in UE. So I'm full of confidence. Man, it's songs are the play. Everybody just stand up and watch me there. Like, who's this man? What's this song? We never hear this before. What he doing here? <laughs> I was like, what to do now? I bring on two dancers, bring in dancers. Everybody's like, no, no more boy. Wow. 
Did they no, boo? No, boy. Nah, they didn't boo. Okay. They, as lucky, they didn't boo. Mm-hmm. But it was like a roller coaster of emotion because mm-hmm. I now come out of Woodford where I'm up there and yes. thinking, yeah. and then I hit Zen stage and I take a plummet. And it was all part of the learning process. And what I learned from that performance is that keep going in your performance. You're going to have some people who will know you. They will know your song and they will know it good for good. And there are some people who have no clue who you are and they probably don't even like the song. But there are a lot of people who will be in the crowd and they're watching you. Yeah. And they might be jumping up and waving, but they might be listening, they might be enjoying what you're singing. That's right. So keep on going and keep on performing. At that point in time, I panic because I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. these people don't know this song. I'm, I'm dying out here. They're not jumping up. What's happening? What to do? Panic yeah. mode. And I just was like, yeah, it's okay. Off the stage as soon as I could. I should have kept going and interacting. Did you go straight home after? Did you leave? Right? No, I like my life. I was a, a happy-go-lucky person. I would get embarrassed on a stage one day and the next day I cool. I cool. Yeah. So I know that you have a lot of ups and downs to face and anything in business too. Yeah, because you know, it's, it's tough to bring out. I mean, not that I'm a soccer singer, all right? I mean, I wish I could sing. Oh. You know? As a matter of fact, I mean, if I could have sing, I don't know, but we can have back. <laughs> you know, I've been a banker for, I don't know, close to nine years. If I could have sing, I always tell people, if I could have sing and dance, I'd be famous, you know. Yeah. Me and yeah. Chris Brown would be featuring. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's tough, right? Because on many of these mixes and stuff, you know, they'll see these the no-name songs. But I will pull them up. I'll listen mm-hmm. to them and say, but it's a nice song. But it's tough to actually get in the radio and then kind of reach to the end consumer. Was he still challenged with that? Do you have just have to hope that that they play a song? They have to kind of network yeah, with yeah, them. They have to yeah. slide them a little when, thing, when I, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started off, when I entered in the soccer industry, people were talking about the soccer mafia. They always right. hear about it. I'm sure people are still talk about it. Yeah. And there's a soccer mafia and people will fight you down and this and that and the other. And I believed it. And I thought, boy, I had this good song and this radio DJ is just not playing my song. Is it Soka Mafia? They're fighting there and this and that and the other. And then after a while, I started to get to know a little more about the industry. They are mailing lists for Soka. That's how Soka is getting songs oh. out there. They send out an email blast okay. and it goes out to all the DJs, everybody in the industry. Oh, so you made it to the mailing list. I mean, that's a step in no, itself. No, well, I... You, you subscribe to the mailing list of certain people. So I was on Julian's promos mailing list and on Lee, Lee Designs, he has a mailing list as well. Okay. So he would send out. So when I, on these guys' mailing list, and every day I receive, was it 20 soccer songs every day from artists. I was like, shit, what's going on here? How many songs really send? Or where are my songs? Then I realized, this year for 2018, soccer, when I talk to the DJs on the stations, they have over 800 songs, some of over a thousand songs. So it's not the Soka Mafia that fighting you. It's that there are so many songs. There's so much music out there. How is your one song going to stand out amongst the others? If you put yourself in a DJ's shoes, you're going to get his email blast every day. You fill up your mailbox and you don't want to click on him. You know, you're going to open it. So, Marshall, drop a junior, you click on Marshall. Bungie, drop a junior, click on his own and download his own. Guess, mm-hmm. even who you know. So now I was like, wait now, they don't know who Rome is. So they're not going to open the email to even download the song to play it on the radio. So I need to get people to know who Rome is. And that's how I changed my whole thinking. You had to do your own legwork, essentially. I had to, to cut my own path. 
in, in that music industry. And the way how I did it was through Soka Param. As I get what? Thousands of very recent. But to me, 50 param releases. Oh, so that's why you got to param. I say, it does, it does, it does, it does, it happened just like that. But I stuck with it, knowing that, listen, param is not as competitive as hookah, but everybody's have a Christmas party. They need entertainment. Celine, you know what they call that? They call that the Simmery's College Spring. Yes, I got into hookah param heavily. And then I realized, I can make a name for myself there. And once people know who you are in Sukapara, in, in music industry, they will know who you are. So now, now there's going to be the Marshall Montana of, of Para. Because <laughs> I, I built a, a repertoire, yes, I built a yes, fan base, yes. and people know who I am. And when I go across in the Sukha, now they sit, when I'm at the station, everybody say, hey, Rome, what's going on? They know who Rome is from Para. So when I drop a Sukha now, mm-hmm. now I will get them to click and open the email. So that was the, the thought process behind it. I had to take a, a strategic approach to very smart. What's your creative process like, right? Because I know you're an engineer, so you're custom to systems and you're custom to managing staff, so you gotta be all organizational, you have to be all leader like, but how do you get creative now? How do you get into that kind of zone, into that into that state of flow where you're writing your songs, writing your double entendres and stuff? For me, it's very systematic too. I, I still on system. So when I'm writing, first is, is a vibe because it's in a creative atmosphere. So first I would go to a studio. If I write in a song with a co-writer, we would vibe it. We would hear a beat and we would vibe it and we would get our energy. We would get our feeling and we would come up with certain different concepts. But once I have a concept, I can't write a song right there in the studio right. in the vibe. It has certain men could go on just freestyle. Mm-hmm. I real, as I say, systematic. I had to go back home, sit with the, with the beat, and structure the song. I would say, okay, this is how the song has to be. I build a formula for my song. It must start with the intro, then you would go into your verse, then I would have a pre-chorus, then a chorus, then a post-chorus, and I would map it out. And I actually write the times on the song. So I'd have the beat, and I would say, I have 10 seconds, this so from zero to ten is intro. From this to that is done, and that's how I I go about it. Real and like a real engineer so, writing music. So it's beat first, then lyric second. Most of the time, I would get the beat and mm. I would write. The only song I think I wrote with all the beat first was the key, the chutney, the chutney. Yeah, because I had the concept. I was telling Sadie, he's a chutney soaker artist now. <laughs> he's like, will do one song. I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had a link on the YouTube video for that song in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> so four years ago, you said in an interview that your goal mm. was to share the stage with an international soccer artist. Uh, now you're big friends with Alison Hines. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm ready to think about that. Yeah, yeah. And... One of the things that people always told me growing up is that to speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. I went on a radio station yesterday and they were reminding me, they said, Room, you know that you told us four years ago that in 2018 you're going to win the monarch, we suck a monarch. They said, Well, you know, we're heading into 2018 now. And they said, Well, this chutney tune that you have, look as though you have a chance to win Chutney mm. Suka Monarch with it. There's like, you might win Suka Monarch, we don't even know if it have a Suka Monarch this yeah, year. That, but you might, yeah, they they, we don't even know. Yeah. It's, it's still up in the air. Mm. Yeah. And they reminded me that you just speak things into existence. Yeah. I said that long ago and 
I don't know. I, I don't know, Roma. Every morning I wake up and say, I am rich. That's an existence as yet, but I'll just keep speaking. Now, nah, but what, what, one thing with speaking things in the existence is that a dream will only become a reality with a plan. So yes. even though I spoke those things in the existence, I had a plan to follow it through. As I would say, follow your path, but take your brain with you. You, you know you're following your passion. Where's your plan? You can't just become everybody and say, I want to be rich. I do every day. Girl, tell you, Rudy, become everybody and say, I want to be rich today. <laughs> you die, go on. You gotta have a plan if you want to be. I don't see wealth as money, yeah? Yeah, of course. Nah, of course. I don't see wealth as money. Wealth for me is, is freedom, is, is more that's happiness, right. is doing what you love, and that's wealth for me. Yeah, many do not. Right. Yeah, yeah, money will come. I, I, I'm not even an extravagant person. Will I know me tell you I really cheap? I don't really spend money. I would make how much of money and I wouldn't really spend it on any kind of luxury. I drive in a normal van. I wear normal shoes. I don't have a set of brands and I wear my own jersey. I wear your jersey too. How did Blocko work, man? This is part of uh, what's the name of the events company it's Blocko Events Blocko Events yeah. how did yeah. that come about Blocko Events well initially I, I did parties with a company called Rave Events right so back then Chris Karim was my sister's boyfriend and he came home by us and he said boy I had a um, Chris Karim boy yeah, he had a he had a <laughs> party <laughs> called Sahara and it was doing okay but he wanted to make it much bigger and because I was an engineer, I was able to finance different projects. So he invited me to come on board. We did it and we made that Sahara the biggest ever. So he went from like about 500 people and we turned Sahara to 1,500 people in one go. We built it, we built it, we built it. Then I opened Big Size Pizza and I left Sahara because I couldn't balance it to yes. that time, right? And I always liked partying. Mm-hmm. I had a partner named Maurice White. And Maurice shared the same birthday as me, January the 6th. And Maurice is like, boy, let you try a block before our birthday now. In the road right in front of his house. I say, all right, cool. We take some cloth and we block off the road. With cloth, eh? Nothing fancy. Cloth. <laughs> 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 Part tent. Add some DJ partners. They come through. They, they spin. I was there. And lo and behold, we had probably like around 200, 300 people for that one. Right. Next year come, they did the same thing. And I kept on growing. We got a, a bigger street mm-hmm. and block it off. And last year, we had between eight to 900 people in the party. So I was wow. like, if we are eight to 900 people, we're not really charging people to come. It's only for charity. Why not make this thing a business? Mm-hmm. So that's when I started Block Events. Brendan Braffitt, he was with me back in, in Rave. He owns Boss Concepts. And Javid Ghani, I met him. He owns Control Entertainment. So he made a stage and lighting and sound okay. and that kind of thing. Well, I knew Kerry Kim from back in school days. And I just formed a team and we started it. I said, let's do something different. Because we are custom going parties and a lot of people, they don't have vibes at parties. That's right. They, yeah, they are not vibes. Oh, no, they are the food. They are Snapchat. Podcast Instagram. And Caribbean, shit. Trinidad, Jamaica, Barbados, Diaspora, everybody. Please do better. Let's have fun. Yeah. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. I used to go to a party and get sweaty. My mind is, and he was there, and it's really bumped. What? 
Everyone is sweating. That's so nice to be doing the floor back. Yeah, come back. Come back. Who says these guys? Trini Lions. Yeah, that was the day of the party. To me, when I went to the party long ago, I come and I'm sweaty because yeah. I go on there to dance and have a fun time. No, when you go to a party, you come back dry like I was still. I was about to ask you, Block, who's about this touch fight? No, 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 Number one, you must have it. We don't care how you look. It don't have made this girl so pretty mm-hmm. or that fella so good looking and he cool and he no. Does he have vibes? Does she have vibes? Yeah, if no, right. no, we're not gonna bring her in committee. So we go out looking for people. Mm-hmm. We we you see that party why can I get you know chances are they block committee. So <laughs> <laughs> we will recruit you nice. one time. <laughs> so that's what we, we said, let's bring back the vibes right. to party in. So we started with um block one our boat, Kerry and I did block one our boat. We didn't have a big turnout, but everybody was like, when is the next one? Because it was so month. much fun. Right. Then we did block one on a bus. Again, people was like, Dread, this thing was so much fun They're on a bus. They can't go nowhere. They had a yeah, choice yeah. but to, to get on one. Yeah. And it was just so much fun. We did block a beach line. And that was craziness. People in the water winding down. Yeah. <laughs> then we did a river line. So then now we're back to Big Bad Block where it all started. So it's all about the, it's all about the energy. Yeah, okay. yeah. But this time we move it to La Solidad in Maracas and yeah. because we need to get a bigger venue. But that's too much to and again, it's a system that you employ for this. Yeah, so yeah, I find yeah. that's a common thread yeah, throughout yeah, everything yeah, that you yeah, yeah. involved in. You must have a system, you must have a plan, you must have a plan and a movie plan. The things will just come out of thin air. Some people just so lucky. But rarely you would see a business idea or yeah. something that's successful just pop out of thin air. Yeah. This podcast alone took so much brainstorming just for me out. So let's talk about your event hosting. How did you get into that? You, you, right now you are the wedding banter and you're a professional TV host. I see <laughs> you were hosting a profit event. <laughs> and people like me who've been trained professionally for this can't catch your break yet. So I was like, yeah, how, how, how? Contrary to popular belief, I am professionally trained awesome. to do this. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank God. Um, because, yeah, I wonder what some of our Oh, yeah, some professional professionals. Yeah, yeah. 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 I did. I did Dominic Ali Pesad and Lisa Wickham. They are the presenting masterclass. Yeah. I did that. Uh, I did broadcasting. a broadcasting course with um, Nigel Nicholson. Me too. Right. Oh, right. stop. Start broadcasting. Yes, yes. I did. I did do same. Yeah. And I started off hosting um, as a child. My father. He was heavily involved in the church, and he was always the host for all the mm-hmm. church events. So they had the church Christmas dinner, the Christmas concert, whatever he was hosting. He always used to like my jokes. I used to be a child and joking, and because I went to St. Mary's, we were always joking and coming up with funny jokes. I always give my father a joke to tell why he was okay. okay. So one day he just brought me up to host with him, and that's how I started as a child. Hosting the event. So in NCIC, I hosted the prefix concert and okay. there was an audition for a show called Party Flavor. But yes. long ago, it used to be party time. Yes, was party yes. Flavor. Went up for the audition and I made the, the cast as me. Kerry was one. Yes. Me, Kerry, Hans, the Beans, with me, husbands, all of us, first class, mm-hmm. 
all of us were part of that cohort okay. of Party okay. Fever hosts. So it's started Party Fever, then Synergy hired me to host their top 10 countdown back then. It's called The Scene. So hands and I host The Scene. Right, I remember that too. And then from there, I just was hosting various events. Then TV6 hands and they had a show on TV6 called Bounce. So I hosted Bounce. Then Sukamona called me. You know, the media host Sukamona, the live broadcast. That's really right, yeah, yeah. So that was big. So I hosted Sukamona. And then TNT3 called me again. Nicki Minaj was coming down. And they needed somebody to interview Nicki Minaj. So they called me to interview Nicki Minaj. Then they had some storm that was going to hit And they canceled the whole interview. And I was upset. Oh. So I didn't get to interview. But they, they called me to do that. Then from there, CTV called me to be then sports anchor. So I was CTV sports anchor for like a weekend. I couldn't do that. And then um, I just keep on hosting different TV shows and, and shows. I hosted a couple of weddings for friends. And people were like, you're real good at hosting weddings. But normally, a friend or a family member hosts a wedding. Then random people started asking to host their wedding. Like within what time? It within the past three years, I would think, people serious? started hiring strangers yeah. or professionals to host their wedding. And that just blew up. I couldn't believe it. I just sprung in calls week after week. And almost every weekend I have a wedding to host. People's cousins, people's uncles are really upset at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what they realize is that when you give your cousin or your uncle or, or your friend to host your wedding, you're not getting that professionalism in it. Now, some people make a bad joke. Some people don't know what to say. Right. And it can twist your whole wedding. The other thing is that they need somebody to start the party. Because sometimes you go to a wedding, the formalities finish, and then everybody just get up and they kind of right. leave the the bar. Sometimes they say back and that's not all the time. So when they hire me, first thing they tell me, I know I'm known for, they want me to turn their wedding into a fact. So after the formal ceremony, they get a drink by the bar, and then I'm, I'm able to start the party because I can sing, I can hype a crowd, right. and do that. So I get everybody to come on the dance floor. And remember, your wedding is a celebration, so you want it to be a party. So I can turn, I can interact with the old and the young, got them in conga line, they do an electric slide, and... They have fun. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do you have to like liaise with the event planner and stuff like that for the event? For what, the what I would do is the week of the the wedding, usually I meet with the couple. Okay, okay. So you ever saw that show um with Kevin Hart? Wedding singer. It's not wedding singer, it's a no. wedding ring or something like that. Something like when that. When he was like no best man or something so where like you hire him and he yes. come and give a speech okay. as your best man. It's something like that. Yeah. I would meet with the couple the week before the wedding and find out everything about them. Find out where they met, what they like, what they into, where they work, their family, who's this one, who's that one, who's that one. When I come on the day to host your wedding now, people swear. You know them. That I know these people for years. I call in mom's auntie, this one. But that's the thing, yeah. Something in our wedding is so intimate that you would need to know the people. Right. You know what? I just get to know them, make Uh notes, Uh and I come out there learning everything and learn about this couple and I can come out there and talk about them like I know them for years make a joke about this one I can't remember when so 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 and then we're like yeah so how you know the bride and groom <laughs> <laughs> so you're a professional wedding so <laughs> <laughs> something like yeah, that yeah something like that something like that something like that okay okay so that, that blew up and that's that's great you know that's, that's interesting because I was wondering how you go ahead preparing for weddings or for these yeah. important events for all these people you do not know yeah. so I know you and 
for me to prepare for this for this interview, I was up till almost three this morning. Oh, okay. You know, so I mean, it's really interesting that you know you you just go ahead and do this and call everybody auntie and you know <laughs> things all smooth. And, so but again, again, you had to plan it. Mm-hmm. So I had to meet with them first and plan out all of that and and have my notes. You can't just run into something and wing it. Sometimes you can wing it, but not all the time. Most of the time, they wing something. It wouldn't come out half as good as exactly. if you plan. Wait. So even hosting, I would, I would do that. And a lot of the times, I do background. It's just like what you all did with me to be able to come and speak with me. Just like if you go to an interview for a job, mm-hmm. yeah. you would do background research and something. Right. So if I go to host an event, I do work before that. I would be researching what this event is about, who is going to be there, who are the people to mention, and all that. How far in advance do people have to book you for these events? For weddings, they book way in advance. Brides don't play. They yeah. would book, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have I have weddings would be booked four, five, six months in advance. Yeah, so you would hardly get a wedding booking within a month of the wedding. By the time the month of the wedding reaches, they already have everything in place. So at least six months in advance, people would book their yeah. weddings. What is it you enjoyed most of being hosted? Just, just like the vibes as well as creating this energy? With everything that I do, and I would say I was a born entertainer because... I like to see people happy. I like to make people happy. So even when I go to a party, we would say I'm alive for the party because I hate to go somewhere and see people down and they're sad or they're just looking stush. Or, so I come in a while, yeah. I come in and let's have fun. Let's, have, let's do this. Why are we not doing this? Why are we not smiling? Why are we not laughing? Like, yeah. yeah. So you see me with hosting. I find like when I'm a host, yeah. The, the, the joy and happiness that I have inside of me, I can mm-hmm. bring it out and share it with everybody else and it's contagious. Mm-hmm. And people have fun. I always smile. The last time I cried was for a movie. I was crying for movies. But I don't be, I don't yeah. be sad. I'm already a sad person because I always see there's so much in life to be thankful yes. for and to be happy for that I can never be I sad. heard you cried for some kind of makeover show. Um, I cried for fit, fitness. Biggest loser. Biggest loser. Yes. I cried for one of those episodes. Yeah. Why? Why did you? Why did you? Um, <laughs> it was just the, the transformation. Seeing that person how they were before, and seeing their transformation and what they were now, yes. and they were just so emotional about how it made them feel as a person that it, it brought all the emotion. I mean, I emotional when it comes to those things. Okay. That I would have empathy. I would have empathy with people. So, for our listeners, you know, we want to encourage people to not just do what's right in front of you, do the obvious. Because for you, the obvious would have been, go and be an engineer. Yeah. I studied this for so long, just be an engineer and just go online. But you decided, my life starts after four. Mm -hmm. And I remembered you mentioned in one of your interviews that you use old school diary. Yeah. And you said it in the way that you write your music as well. Everything is to the second. Everything is, yeah. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to your listeners, those who want to get into starting up their own business? Because we realize in Trinidad, yes, the economy needs to grow and you don't just want to work for people. A lot of people are passionate about a lot of different things and they don't have that encouragement from both government level and from the home. Mm-hmm. You know, you have parents who tell you, nah, I don't do that because you should just go get a job. Make right, sure you cover your right. bills. You know, so what would you tell your listener, our listeners that to encourage them to follow your passion? But you also mentioned it's one thing to dream about stuff, but you have to work at it. You have to plan for it. So mm-hmm. 
in terms of, of giving advice to anyone who wants to kind of follow some of the stuff that I did or to achieve success on his own. One thing I always tell people is to try to get a mentor. Now, that's difficult to get because nobody has the time to mentor you. I didn't have a mentor. And my mentor for me was books. So I read a lot. So I would recommend, firstly, is to read. A couple of the books that are notable for me were One Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People yes. by um, Dale Carnegie. Those three books, I would I, I, I read a ton of books and I keep reading books all the time. Those three books are definitely notable mentions. And one of the things I learned from Seven Habits, and that has me structured as well, is I plan my week like on a Friday. I plan my week Friday for the next coming week. And I always put the important things first. In Seven Habits, they call it the big rocks. So the big rocks are like the important things in your life because we get caught up with a lot of small pebbles in our lives that keep things that keep us busy but not really important. So my big rocks in my life would be like one would be spirituality. So whichever God you believe in, whichever form of God you believe in, I have that first. So I'm a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, and I would have that as a big rock for me. Try and make sure and hit church on a Sunday. Or even if I don't hit church on a Sunday, Make sure you pray as yes. I get up in the morning, before I go to sleep, that prayer is a big part of my life. Also, time with loved ones. I have a good friend, so I would make sure and spend time with my good friend. And I would have that written down. A lot of people would just say, yeah, I will do it. But I have it written down. We go to the movies, or we just go and watch out some Netflix or whatever. I have that written down. Big rocks again would be check my parents. I don't live with them, but I'm making sure I spend time with them. Check them. Other big rocks would be times with my friends. My partners, one of our boys, and I would have that written down. Then you have big opportunities in terms of business. So I'd have time, so quick size. Listen, quick size, I need to go and check on the business, need to do these. Music, creative, have that. So I plan on a Friday, and I just put in those big rocks. And then everything else has to fit in around that. So a lot of people call me for interviews in music. Just like, okay, if you come here, you want to come and do an interview? And I would have my week planned out. So now I can tell you, because I have a week plan on my big rocks, I can fit in an interview here on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday. I have this slot on my whatever. And now we are not feeling overwhelmed. My boy had to do this or nothing, you know, it's already planned out. And if it can't fit into this week, I'll just say, well, guys, how about next week? I can put you into next week's schedule. I mean, you know, most people understand it. A lot of things I learned too was a lot of people want to meet up with you. When you become a business person, you would see that. Somebody will call you for advice and they'll say, well, I want to come and meet you. Yes. A lot of these things you can just discuss on the phone. But you don't really have that much time to go and meet this one and that one all the time. So you just pick up the phone and you get them a call and you discuss whatever. Then we had to learn to say no a lot. Which is hard because I am Mr. Yes, Mr. Nice. Yeah, I want to tell you. I have a lot going on. So you had to know a lot of people. You said something in one of your interviews that really resonated with me and us that you would learn who your true friends are after you started After you started business. So what sorts of team and support system do you have assisting you in perfecting your execution? Because what one thing I've noticed that everything you do, be it in music, your events, your posting, your pizza, is always at a certain level, a certain consistent level of professionalism and a, and a high level of quality. So, and that's not me alone. That's always teams. So right. one of the things I learned early in, in a lot of those books that I read is that you don't have to be the best in everything, but you need to have a team of people that are the best in their different fields. 
why I said that you would learn your true friends in that interview was that people all for you and when you open a business it's now a different story because you open your business and that's when you need the support so you might need help with something and suddenly everybody's too busy to help you or you might ask somebody to post something on Instagram for you and you would swear Instagram is charging every time you have to post something. <laughs> so people would be like, boy, now I had to post that. Every time I had this man or something, you want me to post it for you, man. Mess up my Instagram. Yeah, mess up your Instagram, man. <laughs> so you, you would actually see those things that people mm-hmm. And one of the first things in, in me opening QuickSize with, with my business partner is that we had our family there supporting us. And again, because we are the big rocks in place from early, because you have that good relationship with your family or with your close friends, is that it's not that difficult to call on them when you need a favor. And they were there for me. Quick size meets just started in my mother's kitchen. We made all the dough and all the sauce and all the meats and everything in my mother's kitchen. So even with Rome, people just see Rome and all. But they're not seeing the background of what it is. I have writers that work with me to help me write the music. Producers who work with me. I have a, a management team, perception right. management. So they handle all Big the up bookings. Andrea and Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big up Andrea and Bailey. So it's all about having the right teams of people around you. You can't do it on your own. With Pick Slides, I have a, a, a staff of people who everybody has their role in doing everything. So you, you have a successful event management practice. You're the wedding bands and your established host. You have a successful pizza business you won awards mm-hmm. with. You're almost at the peak of your soca mm-hmm. chutney and parent career. You're a senior engineer. Yeah. With all this going for you, how do you stay humble? Because many people who have maybe one or two of those things, they mean they're arrogant as hell, right? <laughs> how do you keep yourself humble? Because even though people see these things as this man reach or he's that successful I still don't see it as that in my mind all of these things that you're talking about are still a work in progress going on and my brothers always tell me this too he say boy the money you could be making doing all of these things you could build a big house somewhere swimming pool and you could be living nice why are you still doing all these other different things you can just focus on wanna make money and I told him is that the money is not what makes me happy. Is the process is what makes me happy. And when I think about happiness, I think of happiness as the solution to a problem. So it's like you have a problem, but it's not really a problem. It's like a challenge. Right. It's like a challenge. Okay. So the challenge is you bring out a song, you want to get it to number one. If I bring out a song tomorrow, like if I brought out the chutney, the key. That's right? D-key. D-key. Yeah. I took a breath in between. D-key. <laughs> if I bring out something today or tomorrow and it's a hit within two days, that's not going to make me that happy. You know why it's not going to make me happy? Because it came too easy. So what will make me happy is to see that grinding process that to get it to that success. That's what brings the, the euphoria is that I had that song Annie from nothing. And I had to grind it and perform it a million times to get it the way it is. So what keeps me humble is that I'm always in the grinding process of achieving another goal or conquering another challenge. So it's not like I reach here. Mm -hmm. Every day I am in a challenge doing something new. 
building something else. So I don't have time to be cocky because I'm busy building something. And on the way to building something to success, you're going to be feeling along the way. I'm looking at your face while you're, while you're saying this and it looks. It seems to me that you're actually happier with the challenge, happier in the challenge than with the actual... Than with the success. Yeah, I, am, success. I am, I am, I am. My brother said me that I used to be like, boy, you could throw a block while I make a million dollars and I'm like, but was he fun in that? Mm. Was he fun in that? Exactly. It's like... I want to throw give, a party. Give some of it to KV and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw a party to make people have fun and that's a challenge for me. And that's what's make me happy is just overcoming each different obstacle every day. Okay. So how can people find you for, for bookings or some good pizza? <clears throat> All right. Good. Well, first with social media, you can get me at It's Room. I-T-Z dot room. That's mm-hmm. on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. For bookings, you can get me at 683-9772. That's Perception Management. Okay. So again, there's a team. So Perception Management, they handle all my bookings and all the people. What's it? We can't call you directly. Nah. <laughs> Anybody that calls me directly, chances are going to put you on to my management. Because remember how many things are in too. So exactly. I have time to, yeah, yeah. To, to deal with that. Well, of course, you can check out Quick Size Pizza on our Peter Avenue and look out for new Quick Size Pizza outlets coming up with the franchisees that are interested in, in opening. You're looking to go regional with that by chance? Yeah, we open we open to that. So it's definitely an option. We had somebody who wanted to open one in Jamaica so far. So if people are interested in opening nice. Quick Size Pizzas throughout the region, then we definitely would. Nice, nice. So, Rome, is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to leave us with? I think we covered a lot, boy. Yeah, when I get deep into, into everything, when I did your research, I did your research. One thing I learned recently from one, one of the books I was reading is that we usually think of the universe as being against us, or as talk heights sometimes. That's right? fine, so I talk heights. That's some height talk. I was one of those people that, you're having a bad day and you're thinking, why me? I late for work and I get this red light. Mm-hmm. Of all days, but then if you change your, your train of thought to think that the universe is working with you instead of against you, then you would realize that that red light actually probably stopped you from something, something else, else. Yes. right? And things actually happen for a reason. And once you go about your day thinking like that, then you would see that things are much better than they really are. And that's how I, that's, that's the way I think. And I always tell people, and I always tell my staff, both in Petrodrin and in, in Quick Size, is that walk with your own sunshine. Mm-hmm. Because, and you would see that in Seven Habits too, is that the one thing you're in control of is your reaction to something. Yes. That's, That's the right. one thing you're in control of. A market pass in the road and splash water on you. Right on your arm, on your, your all-white suit. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, <laughs> are you going to make this the worst day of your life because he splashed water in you or you're going to jump in a taxi and go and change your clothes and come and start the day again mm-hmm. and just be a little bit late. It's up to you. Choices, so, choices. yeah, it's up to you. It's your choice. Your choice. That's how right. I leave them with that. Podcast world. It's been Rome. It's Celine Griffith. Thank you, Celine. Thank you so much for coming out today. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting Jerome Prescia. Prescia. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Spanish. Yeah. Yes, yes. He's Venezuelan. Yes. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> He's like half black, half Spanish. A pure red. My mother. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's Brown and Jamaicans. Podcast world. We're having fun tonight. We are out. 